enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. My name is Danielle, and I will be your host as we share our thoughts on HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us. If you haven't watched the show, save this episode for later and come back because there will be spoilers. If this is your first time tuning in to the Temple of Geek Podcast, welcome. The Temple of Geek Podcast has been around since 2012 and is hosted by various geeks from the Temple of Geek team. Here we cover all manner of geek and pop culture news and events. To our returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. With me today are Olivia and Jeff. Welcome to the podcast. Can you both briefly introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about you? Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, I'm Olivia. I have the username Olivia Lube Marie, which is where you can find me on TikTok and Instagram. I mostly talk about Star Wars and books and Star Wars books and pretty much anything <laughs> fantasy and sci-fi. My name is Jeff. I go by Old Taco Jedi. I generally deal with anime and Star Wars. Sometimes I have a vast majority of things that I like know about, actually gaming. But yeah, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram and pretty much everywhere as Old Taco Jedi. And I'm Danielle, as I said. I'm written in the Star Wars on TikTok and DannyS394 on Twitter. I am so excited to talk to both Jeff and Olivia today about The Last of Us. I'm a huge fan of the games and now the show. I've been lucky enough to write some articles about the show for Temple of Geek, but I haven't really had a chance to have a good nuanced discussion about it as a whole. So this is really great timing and I can't wait. Before we dive in, though, I want to let our listeners know that while we will be discussing the show and some elements of The Last of Us Part 1 game, we will not discuss anything that happens in Part 2. Olivia hasn't played the game or been spoiled, and we want to keep it that way for her and anyone listening who's in the same boat. With that in mind, let's get started. We're all Latines in this group, which was intentional on my part when I was choosing who I wanted to talk to because the lead in The Last of Us is Latino, Pedro Pascal. What does it mean to both of you to have a Latino as the lead of a story of this magnitude, especially considering the source material did not have a Latino lead? I think it's an amazing, I think it's an amazing thing. I love seeing someone from our community represented. And I also think it's such a smart way to diversify an adaptation that maybe didn't have a lot of diversity from the get-go. And also, I just have to say, like, I really very much appreciated that they cast a Latino actor as Tommy. They didn't have to do that, but I think the fact that both of them in the family are Latino, I think is a a really cool thing, and it's just a wonderful way to diversify a work while still remaining true to, like, the original source material. I agree. I think... That Pedro is no longer Pedro. He's Joel. He's forever going to be Joel for me. And I know that he's done other things, but he he like he just stepped right into the into the role, and you know he sold it as like this is who I am, and and everyone has just like accepted him. And the fact that like it's someone from our community that's like on this stage of like something that has literally just like shattered records and like is is a wonderful, beautiful adaptation is is incredible, and. Nothing like, I mean, when I think of Texas, which is where Joel is from, I think of, oh, like, obviously there are a ton of us. There There are tons, <laughs> dozens of us. Um, but like, what better way to say Texas than to have someone who's Latine portray a character from a beautiful game? Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> I am from Texas myself. And so that was, I've always liked that Joel was from Texas. And then now obviously to see even more of myself in his character has been really nice. And more to your point, Olivia, about Tommy being cast, uh, Gabriel Luna, who is Mexican-American and from Texas. I loved that they didn't just try to make Pedro ethnically ambiguous. They intentionally casted someone who is also Latino and Mm -hmm. uh, who plays his brother. And I just really love that this might be what we're seeing a start of like a change in how they do this with ethnically ambiguous actors or actors who can be cast as ethnically ambiguous, actually paying attention to their backgrounds and to what that represents and what that means to people from those same cultures when they're cast on screen. And I hope that that continues. And I'm really just Mm -hmm. also really glad that 
Pedro, who's one of my favorite actors, is playing <laughs> one of my favorite characters. I love that. I love that for us. I love that for me. <laughs> but moving on to the story, The Last of Us has been around for 10 years now. What was your experience, if any, with it before the show started? Personally, I didn't have any experience. Like I've, I've never played the game. I don't own a PS4. I don't own a PS5. So I, I didn't know anything about it. The only thing I knew was that it had a really, really loyal fan base and that people loved the story more than anything. And I also went into it having a little hint from my brother. He had played the game a couple of times, part one and part two, and he loves it. He's one of those people who like is very much loyal to this story. And the only thing he told me was to be prepared to be challenged on an emotional level and that this wasn't your typical zombie game. So I was like, awesome. I'll go in every Sunday ready to like have my heart broken <laughs> and to start thinking about humanity, which like delivered. It's been an incredible journey to go into this completely blind and in a sense, like kind of experiencing it like playing the game. Cause you know, I probably will, I mean, hopefully one day I'll play the game, but I think this will be the closest I have to playing it for the first time and understanding why people are so loyal and love these characters and the story so much. For me, I was there when the trailer first dropped. The trailer pulled me in because it was just this guy and this young girl, you know, using his super hearing and his like quick whips to like put together stuff from his backpack. And I think the trailer was like a 10 minute trailer. It was insane. It, I was like, oh, this looks really good. And I remember talking to my friends about it. And then the game came out and I bought it day one. And I literally played that game from start to finish at least six times over like the course of two to three years. It's it's it became it became my comfort game. If uh <laughs> If that works at all with all of the mm -hmm. craziness that happens in there. And then the remastered version came out for PS4. And I was like, well, I'm going to get this too. And I did. And I and it just brought me right back in. I remember playing it like another six or seven times. And just, I never got bored of it. Like ever, you know, yeah. it, it always managed to grip me because like, Joel and Ellie, like that's who it was. Those they they were like my my friends, you know. I wanted nothing to happen to them. And and even though like I knew what was coming every single time, I, I just I was always like on the edge of my seat, like maybe something will be different, but it never was. <laughs> but yeah. For me, I didn't know anything about The Last of Us until 2020 because <laughs> I I think I've said that I have a I had a PS1 when it first came out the OG. And then I didn't have anything else until I moved in with my boyfriend in 2020 and he had a PS4. I started seeing people on Twitter talk about how The Last of Us Part Two was out now and they were playing it. And I was like, what is this game? Because it looks like something that I might enjoy. And my boyfriend had played it. He said I probably would enjoy it. So we got the remastered version and I was stuck from the very beginning mm -hmm. in this game. And I was obsessed with it. And thankfully I, I didn't have to wait the 10 years like you did yeah, <laughs> or yeah. however long it was, not 10. What was for it? The, for the second one? It was like eight yeah. years. Yeah. Eight something years crazy. For the second one. Yeah. I got to go straight into part two, played through that. Just that's, that was all I did. I didn't <laughs> do any of my work that I was supposed to. I just played <laughs> part two cause I couldn't separate myself from it. And then I finished and went straight back into part one, played through all of them again, and then went back into part one the third time. I was just obsessed with it because it's not just a good game. It's a good story. It has a good narrative. Mm -hmm. And you can, that's something that you can transform into any type of media, I think, which is why we got such a good show that we did, or partially why anyway. But yeah, so that was my experience with it. It was my COVID comfort uh, yes. It got me through a lot of hard times and I'm very thankful for it. It will always, always be a special part of me because of, you know, when I experienced it and how I experienced it. But going into the show now, what surprised you most about this show? So the only other kind of reference point I had it kind of like in similar genre, I suppose, was The Walking Dead. My mom is like a huge Walking Dead fan. So I was very much expecting lots of zombies, lots of running and screaming and that kind of like horror genre. And so I was really surprised that it wasn't necessarily that. Like we had some 
we had some scary moments with like the clickers and the cordyceps and all the fungus. And it's absolutely disgusting watching these things grow on human bodies. <laughs> to me, what was really surprising was like watching, watching these humans make really terrible and difficult decisions in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Some of which really kind of co- call into question, like what, what is humanity now that we are pitting ourselves up against one another for resources and for survival essentially. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be the most terrifying thing is especially what, what, I'm sorry, what was that woman's name? Because she wasn't initially in the game, was she? Kathleen? Yes. She terrified me. Oh, it was, yeah. She was, she was scarier than anything else, in my opinion. And yeah. just because of the pure determination she had to exact revenge. And it's like, this is another person that you're wanting to kill. Like, mm-hmm. we all have a common enemy. But this is what you're deciding to do. So just those moments of humanity against humanity and losing the sense of connectivity and togetherness that maybe we once had was really surprising to me and just absolutely terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I guess for me, the thing that surprised me the most was like the additions that got added and also like some things that they took out of the game. So like Sam was not deaf in the game, but they, they incorporated that beautifully, you know, obviously Bill and Frank, (laughs) that was, it was, I mean, they, they talked about Bill and Frank for like maybe a grand total of what, five minutes in the game yeah, at most. And then like, they gave you one of the best episodes of TV, like ever, all of the little tiny things that they like took out and then added to like, to, to make it more believable than anything you know i i know that twitter and ever all the fans were like oh how can you take the spores away i was one of them i was one of them that was like hold on a second you're gonna take the spores the spores are important right and and the way they incorporated like the underground system of because it's factual you know like Mm. like fungus does really have an underground system like that and and how it just like touched one of the dead ones and everyone knew like they all got up and they ran. Like that was terrifying, you know. They they did such a good job. I'd have to say, like my favorite edition was that like the beginning stuff, you know, the stuff mm-hmm. where it was like, hey, uh, you're gonna have to bomb the whole city because we're not gonna be able to contain this. So <laughs> can uh, can you bring me home so I can spend some time with like that that and just like the little explanations that they had, you know, like how someone got infected, all of these like mysterious things that the game never explained have now been like addressed in a way that really seemed believable, you know, even like the, the Ellie thing, like from Sunday's episode that you didn't, you knew nothing about it. Right. And somehow they like delivered it perfectly to make you understand and, and like feed the people information that like they should know, but the game never provided you with that information. Definitely. Um, I think that speaks to like just the amount of care and love that went into this adaptation. And that's what got me from the very beginning was just, it's so clear that the people making this show love this game. And that's, I mean, it helps that you have Neil Druckmann who co-created the game co-creating the show and then it also helps that Greg Mason who is the you know head person behind all of the show is a huge fan of the games and they just put so much care and love to into it and I think that's what surprised me like I Mm -hmm. cried after the first episode because I wasn't expecting that much Mm -hmm. to be put into it and for something that I love so much to be cared about this much when it's being transformed into in to a different medium just meant a lot to me. And as far as like changes and additions go, we talked about Bill and Frank for a little bit. I loved that. But I also want to talk about Anna's story being added, Ellie's mom, mm-hmm. uh, into the beginning of the last episode. Because in the game, Olivia, we get a letter that Anna wrote to Ellie before she died. Ellie keeps that with her in her backpack. 
Uh, we have the knife, of course, which is Anna passed down to her. And then at the end of the game, towards the end, when Joel is running through the hospital, you have opportunities to like scavenge still in case you can get some more bullets, get some more, <laughs> uh, create some shivs, things like that. But you also have these recorders that you can yeah. find. Yeah. And Marlene uses those as kind of a journal or a recording where she, she just leaves her thoughts. And in one of them, it's kind of a letter to Anna where she talks about, you, you get the sense of how close they were and how devastated Marlene is that she has to make this choice. Mm-hmm. But the point is that Marlene does care about Ellie, but she cares about humanity and the possibility of a cure more. And so you get the sense of that from the recordings, but you don't see anything. You don't see Anna's story. To have Ashley Johnson, who voices Ellie in the game, birth Ellie in the show is another level of respect to the source material and just love for it. Because my God, like watching watching game Ellie give birth to show Ellie was so emotional for me. I was sobbing. It was so beautiful. And not only just like because the actress who voices her is playing the mother, but because of who Ashley Johnson is, she loves Ellie so mm-hmm. much. She puts so much of herself into this character. And she deserved to have that moment. And I'm so glad that she got it. And But it surprised me when we found out that she was going to be playing. It surprised me and it didn't. I didn't know that they were going to let them have that type of character in the show. And I'm so glad that they did. When she was when she was running through the through the bushes and like just grunting and groaning, mm. I was, was like, like Ellie. It's Ellie. It's <laughs> yeah. Ellie. Oh my god, it's Ellie. Like it just it it just like struck in my ears and I was like, That's Ellie, that's Ellie. And like mm-hmm. me and, and the people in my Discord who play the game, we all like just knew. We knew we were like, Oh my god. <laughs> Specifically part two, Ellie. Because I forget that um Ashley Johnson's voice is just Ellie's voice. Yeah. Yeah, it's just That's her just voice. It. She doesn't change it that much for Ellie. Moving on to the episodes, the specific episodes, we brought up some of them in our conversation so far, but which of them were your favorite and why? I really enjoyed the episode with Riley and Ellie as they're running through the mall and just like, just being kids for a moment. Like, we know what's happening with Joel. You know, he's like, injured really badly at this point. And we know that this is a flashback and leading up to the moment where Ellie gets bit. So we know that like some really devastating stuff is about to happen and is currently happening, but it was just so nice to take a break from that and just see Ellie as a kid before all the traumatic stuff she's gone through and is about to go through. As sad as that is, because you know, we know, we know it's going to happen. We know that something bad is going to happen at the end of this episode, but I just found that small moment of joy. I don't know. just like kind of fuels you for the rest of it. Kind of gives you some strength yeah. left because up until that point, so much has happened. Like so many people have died in really devastating ways. And especially like, I mean, I loved every episode and I loved how every episode was just a little snapshot into the people that passed through Ellie and Joel's journey But it was just nice to just have a moment of playfulness between these two characters. And I really, like, as weird as this is, I really like seeing the mall from their perspective. Like, I would take that for granted nowadays. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, the mall? Mm -hmm. No one goes to the mall. There's All the stores are foreclosed and it's all sad. But these kids were like, oh, my God, the mall. Like, this is so cool. (laughs) That was such a funny, like, snapshot in time, too. So, yeah, that that was definitely one of my favorite episodes. Just to piggyback off your your episode, I'm really happy, and Danielle, I'm pretty sure you 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 were happy as well that they kept the line from the game where they were like, "Why did women wear these kind of things? Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> How come they're not?" Because like in the game, Ellie's never been exposed to that, and Joel and her are walking through somewhere and they see like a Victoria's Secret kind of thing, and she was like, "People would wear this kind of stuff," and they're like, "Why is she so skinny?" Like, did you guys not have food back then? And, and uh, yeah, so, and, and I'm really happy that they kind of kept that there. It was like small. It wasn't like, you know, super like focused on, but like they did. I'm glad that they did that. Um, but as far as my favorite episode, it's like, it's like trying to pick 
which one of my children bugs me the least. Because <laughs> like they're all fantastic. They're all fantastic. And and there are some, there are some who that like, you know, I, I could I could do without. Like I wouldn't be upset if I missed it. But they all add to the story. They all like build and they all like every single thing that the that the show did just worked. Yeah. If I had to pick one, it would probably be the one where they finally make it to Wyoming and he sees Tommy and everything like that. And I need HBO to come up with a spinoff of those two indigenous people. <laughs> yes. Um, because they are they were the funniest thing in the world. But so I like I like that episode the most because, you know, it finally shows Joel in a way where he's like, I'm terrified. Yeah. And he has that moment in the in the settlement where he sees a girl who literally looks exactly like Sarah and, you know, like you feel for him because yeah. that you could have had that, that could have been you, you know, that could have mm. been your kid, that could have been your grandchild. Like no. that was the life that you were supposed to have and you didn't, you know, you got, you got dealt a shit hand and, yeah. and here we are. And then, you know, I think the writers did an incredible job of adding that before like the most like memorable of Ellie's lines to Joel, you know, they, they did it like they did it perfectly. Everyone's left except for you. And that whole thing just hit so much. And then, you know, they were on their way to the to the university on the horse, just like in the game, like everything about that episode was just like so perfect because like, it was like the game. And, you know, yeah. she even, she even said first time seeing a monkey, first time seeing a monkey. And like, that was, <laughs> it was from the game, you know, it was like yeah. every single tiny thing that they did for that whole episode was from the game. Like they changed a couple things here and there, but that one, that one to me probably hits the most because it, it's, it shows just like this whole window of like, this is Joel and Ellie. And still at the end, this is still Joel and Ellie. You know, they have mm -hmm. their differences, but they do genuinely care about one another. Craig Mason said that Neil Druckmann told him when they were directing the scenes before the university, when, you know, the the sweetest scenes between Joel and Ellie, when they're on yeah. horseback and everything, Neil Druckmann told him, it's important to keep in mind that this is the happiest Joel and Ellie will ever be. Oh, that's Damn. so heartbreaking. <laughs> I was like, when I heard Damn. that, I was like, oh my God, why? <laughs> wow. Those five days they got are the happiest that they'll ever be. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's depressing. Um, that's really sad. Yeah. On that note, my favorite episode <laughs> is the first episode because I have a really soft spot for it because like I said earlier, it made me cry at the end because of how well it was done and how mm -hmm. how how true it was to the spirit of the game. Not only that, just on a narrative in a in a narrative standpoint, it's so good on its own because they had the talent to really see that they needed to put something in at the beginning that would pull in people who aren't fans of the game or people who mm -hmm. don't know what's going to happen. They needed that, that really good opening of the newscast from the, like, what would it be like the seventies or whenever, when they're talking about this, about the possibility of a world ending infection and that it's not, you know, a virus, it's not, bacteria, it's fungus. Just the, the levity of that moment was so important and so enrapturing, I think, that it really pulled in people and made them want to see what happens next mm -hmm. and made yeah. them want to pay attention and get the idea that this is a different type of zombie show. This isn't The Walking Dead. This isn't something that is just going to be about, you know, oh, you wake up one day and the zombies are here. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. a little more grounded than that. And I thought that was just such a smart idea. But yeah, I loved episode seven too, Olivia, the Left Behind, I think is what yeah. it was called. Yeah. And because it really allowed Bella to shine on their own. Before yeah. that, we were consistently seeing Bella Ramsey, Ellie, with other actors and other characters. And we do see Ellie with Riley throughout a lot of this, but it's the first time with another kid mm -hmm. and not an adult and not, you know, a more a more seasoned actor next for her for Bella yeah. to work off of. It just shows just what a phenomenal actor Bella Ramsey is and Storm yeah. Reed to be able to hold those scenes completely on their own. They don't need anybody else. <laughs> they completely got this. 
Fair. Yeah, this is amazing. So many good episodes this season. That leads me to the finale, which has caused a lot of discourse, which Jeff and I were prepared for, I think. It, it's yes. hard to be prepared for Last of Us discourse, even if you know it's coming, because yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to enjoy the show. Right. Uh, so the finale was just a couple days ago, and we've had some time to sit and think about it. I would love to hear specifically from Olivia as someone who not only hasn't played the game, but managed to stay spoiler free for the end of part one. What were your thoughts about the ending? I'm amazed I wasn't spoiled. Honestly, I, I was seriously, really God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> really, I was really careful. Like anytime I saw like video, like edits of the video game, I just immediately scrolled away. I was like, Nope, I don't want to know a single thing. So like, <laughs> I was very, I was really, I was like, I was shocked with the way it ended, but I also wasn't um, just because following particularly Joel, Joel's narrative arc. Um, I'm not surprised he ended up where he was. Um, I was surprised to see how Ellie's character kind of mirrors his, like they almost kind of switch places in a sense where Joel starts really reserved, distrustful mm-hmm. after going through the traumatic event of losing his daughter to really wanting to connect with Ellie and being mm-hmm. more open and wanting to be more open and showing how much he does love and care for this person yeah. to Ellie wanting to connect with Joel from the get-go because she's lost everyone. She's on her own. Everyone she loves has died to going through a traumatic event herself and feeling distrustful and reserved after that traumatic event. And also all the other traumatic events this poor child goes through Um, and ending in a place where the one person that she feels she can find, she, she can rely on might not being t- might not be totally truthful to her. I thought was a really interesting place to end, and I heard I heard an interview with Bella Ramsey where someone asked Bella, "Do you think Ellie knows that Joel is lying to her?" And she's like, "I think she has a sense. Maybe doesn't know for sure, but just to add that inkling of a thought of this person I love and care about is lying to me. Like, hmm. what does that do to a relationship? It just like can totally." Yeah deteriorate a relationship. So I'm really, I'm really interested in seeing where that goes. And I'm interested to see, I'm interested to know like how they start to pivot and just thinking about Joel's decision. Like I don't have, I don't have children. So I'm coming from that limited perspective. Like I watched the show with my mom who, you know, obviously I'm her kid. So she, you know, she's a parent and she (laughs) is supportive of Joel's decision to protect Ellie and also to yeah. lie to her. And I was kind of on the fence about it because, you know, yeah, Ellie's a kid. She's 14 years old, right? But she lives in this society that doesn't allow her to be a kid and that forces her yeah. to make adult decisions every single day. So why at this point are we treating her like a child that she can't mm-hmm. make a decision that she can totally consent to, you know, of course that's a question I have as someone who hasn't played the game. Like, do we know if Ellie has all the informa- information presented to her and therefore is she making an informed decision to essentially die and give up her life, you know, but like, even if she, if she does, like, I don't know, I know she's a kid and I know that Joel is trying to be a good parent to her essentially. But I think I think that she should have some agency in this decision, especially because she says earlier in the episode, like we have to go through with this. It's like, there's no stopping now because everything that I've done and everything that I've gone through has to mean something. And I hope that this thing, my immunity can be what makes all of this worthwhile. But I'm interested to hear Jeff's perspective because Jeff is a dad. So I know that his view is different than mine. (laughs) So I'm just going to I'm just going to put this out there. If there was a post-apocalyptic thing, we would not survive because (laughs) they're all so loud and no parent would survive. I think only the people without children would survive because, you know, you would hear a clicker and then they would make a noise and you're dead, you know? So, so it just, yeah. But first of all, I just want to put this out there. I, I'm totally team Joel 
Give me my gun. <laughs> I'm going in guns a blazing. Give me my goddamn kid back. There, there's no question. And I think that every parent would feel that every parent would be like, there's no way, you know, that I'm going to sacrifice my, my, my flesh and blood for everybody else, you know? But then that's that, like, you, you also have to like take a moment and be like, shit, this is, this is everybody or your everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I know myself very well. And I know that I would, there's no way I'm sorry, humanity. Like you're going to have to find somebody else. <laughs> like, well, you know, you, I'm, not my kid, you know. Yeah. But then, like, what Joel says to her, and how you know, like, it's it's just interesting because, like, as a parent, and I'm sure that you two, as as children, have caught your parents in lies, mm. you know. But it's never, it's ne- and I can remember, I can remember, like, you, listen, listen, we talked about how we're Latino before. Let me just throw this out there. You got money for you got money for your birthday. Your mom said, give it to me. I'll hold it for you. And you never saw that money ever again. But but I'm going to tell you something. We grew up in New York City. We grew up in a one bedroom apartment. Mm. We always had the lights on. Mm. We always had food. Right. Mm. And it was maybe I never saw that hundred bucks that my grandma just wonderfully gave me. But we had the lights on. So like, you know, you, your parents would lie to you about things because you're a child and you don't need that kind of stress in your life. And it's interesting that you talk about how like where she should be at 14, should she be allowed to make that decision? And then Olivia, you, you going with that, that statement you made, your favorite episode is also seeing Ellie as a child. As a, as a kid, so right? So where yeah. is the line when yeah. you're like, she's a kid, but can she make this decision for herself? You know, like, I don't know what I would do. I'd... I think I think that if it were my kid and time had progressed as much as it, like my daughter's five and she was 14, so nine years have passed. If I had 14 years of, of her life with me, I think I could tell her. I think I could say, yes, baby, like I went in and I murdered all those people because I wasn't going to let them take you, you know? <laughs> yeah. But how does Joel do that? You know, it's his, it's his new, it's like his redemption arc. You know, where he can yeah. like right the wrongs of of that pain that he felt of failing his daughter. Yeah. So like, I I just I don't I don't know I don't I have no idea what I would do. I think that Joel did the best that he could with the information that he had, and and yeah. and he selfishly put himself first. But if if it were me in that position, I don't know what I would do either because I look at it from the lens of a parent where I'm like, yeah. I have to protect you. Like you yeah. are the reason for me to like be. So yeah. I, I'm, you know, if this is going to protect you even longer, then I, it's going to. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to lie to you. You know, what's what this made me think of as you were talking, Jeff, was I completely agree that like if I were in Joel's shoes, I'm not a parent, but I have nieces and nephews and I have people that I'm fiercely protective of and feel I have a responsibility to. And so I would make the same choice as Joel, I think. And I don't mm-hmm. begrudge him that. But as I was listening to you talk, it made me think of two things. One, Joel knows what it's like to be a father. He knows what it's like to father. Ellie doesn't know what it's like to be a child to someone. She's never had that before. So it's natural for Joel to fall into this position of father. It's not natural for Ellie to fall into a position of daughter and view him as a father, even though she might portray those ways of acting that she is acting like he's her father and she's his daughter. That's maybe not what she views it as, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And so I could see how very easily to Ellie, it would be like, what right do you have to assert that kind of decision about my life, even though we understand because Joel views her as a daughter and he is fathering her Mm -hmm. to Ellie. What does that look like? Does that look like something different? Because she doesn't have that experience. She has never had that experience. And not to say that that makes Joel wrong, but in Ellie's eyes, it makes things very complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, And the second is, when you were talking about how Joel is like, I have to save you because you are my reason for existing. You are my reason. Ellie's reason for existing right now yeah. is the oh, is her immunity. That's right. 
Yeah. It's, it's her immunity. It's her ability to save people when she couldn't save the people she cared about. And you have these two conflicting purposes here. Joel's purpose is Ellie. Ellie's purpose is her immunity right now. And it's when you have that, it's like neither of those are wrong. Neither of those are wrong purposes to have, Mm-mm. but who gets to decide which one is more important. Mm-hmm. And when you have in that moment, Joel putting his purpose as more important, more important than what Ellie's pur- purpose is. How do you coincide those things? And that's not me saying that either of those are wrong or more important, but it's just, that's what's so complicated about mm-hmm. this. And what makes, I think what makes it such a good story because there are no right answers. Like there's no easy answer to this. There's no hero or villain in this situation. There's just human beings like trying to fight for their purpose and trying to do that in a world that is so broken and has just completely left them behind. I never thought about the conflicting purposes. That's Me such neither. a, God, that's such a good way of putting it. And like, what a, what a betrayal you know, if, if, again, I don't know, but if Ellie finds out that he lied to her, like to take away someone's life purpose or what they feel to be their life purpose Mm -hmm. is just really, it's like devastating to someone's soul. And especially for something that is so massively life-changing for the Mm -hmm. people who exist in this world, you know, to have that. And no one should have to go through that and feel that weight on their shoulder. But for a 14 year old kid to know that maybe they could have saved humanity and that was taken away Mm -hmm. either way, like having to die for that purpose, but also that purpose being taken away from them, I think is both just, this is so difficult. God, what a brilliant game. What a brilliant game. Yeah. Right. Do you see why we played it for so long? Yeah. I get it. I get why I like, even though it's zombies essentially like in post-apocalyptic, like why people get so involved because it's such a smart, it's, it's just so smart. It's Mm -hmm. just so smart. Yeah. It engages you. Like it asks you to be a participant in the story it's telling. And And I I love that so much because it doesn't, it doesn't belittle the audience. It doesn't make you, it doesn't assume that you don't know anything or that you can't grasp these very complex ideas. It puts it in your head from the very beginning and slowly you're like, oh, I'm starting to think about this because every Mm -hmm. time I play this game or experience the story now that we have it in another format, I find myself uncovering new things or viewing things from different perspectives than I did the first time because the very first time I played, I was like, Joel can do no wrong. Uh, Absolutely. Every decision (laughs) he makes is correct. Uh, Fireflies are awful. And then now when I play it, I'm like, I still think Joel can do no wrong, but he can do wrong. I acknowledge that he can do wrong and he does do wrong. And the fireflies actually aren't the villain, even though I don't agree with them, even though Mm. I, I think the, they made wrong choices. Joel made wrong choices too. They're mm. both wanting something good and going about it if with, by making choices that aren't act, act, absolutely right, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's a very have, gray area. Oh, go I ahead, have to, I have Jeff. to ask you a question, Danielle, since you played the yeah. game. So, and, and I'll set the stage for you, Olivia. So in the game, you walk into the operating room and it pretty pretty much exactly you already know where I'm going with this. Yes. So so it pretty much exactly the way that it went down in the show. Like, you know, the doctor grabs the the scalpel and then you just shoot him. You have the they the game gives you the freedom to either let the rest of the medical staff live or kill them all. Like you you can you can kill one, you can kill all three, you can kill you, you can just walk out, whatever. Danielle. What did you do? Well, I think the first time I played, I thought you had to kill all of them. So I killed all of them. And then the second time I played, I just killed the doctor first, obviously, because you have to. Yeah. And then they all just stood there. And I was like, oh, (laughs) oh, I can let you live. Yeah. My uh, bad, guys. I didn't fir- do that the last first time. time. The first time I, 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 you know, you killed the doctor and then I was like, oh, I can kill them. And I was like, can I? And then so I, I killed one and I was like, oh, God. 
<laughs> and then the other the other two were like, oh, and I was like, OK, all right, I'm not going to I'm not going to kill them. And then you pick up Ellie and you leave. The second time I played it, I wanted to know if if like you didn't have to kill anybody. So I was like, oh, you, you can leave, let them all live. Great. Picked up Ellie, left. The third time I mowed them all down. I was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm done with you. Give me back my child. Depends on how I'm feeling the day I play it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm in a bad mood. Take out my anger on it. <laughs> um, all right. So are there any other thoughts on the finale that you wanted to share or we get to move uh, on? I think, I think they grasped everything about it perfectly. Um, mm -hmm. I think they did. They, they, they just, they just did everything right. I agree. It was a very, I know that some people were upset that it wasn't as like, it wasn't longer or it wasn't as actiony as maybe they were expecting. But I thought that the subtleness with which they approached Joel's rampage <laughs> across the hospital was actually quite a good choice yep. because it forces you to slow down and take in what he's doing, the lengths yeah. he's going and Pedro Pascal has this talent with his facial expressions mm -hmm. of you see so much and you learn so much about him in this, these scenes, even though he doesn't say anything. And yeah. it's just the complete blankness and determination that he has on his face when he's going through that. And so I was very pleased with that scene. Um, and I don't think they could have done it a better way in my opinion, Ooh. but yeah. Did you like, did overall, did you feel like it was a good ending, Olivia, or do you wish it had been a little more action-y? No, I was really happy with the way that it ended. Not knowing, not knowing anything. I still, I, it still felt complete to me. Like in a way, like if part two didn't exist and this is the way that it ended, this kind of, this pin in it, but also the potential for more. Yeah. I, I just thought it was so brilliantly done and the acting is such a quiet type of acting that yeah. that Pedro Pascal does that mm -hmm. truly is so emotionally charged and just moves mm. the scene forward in such an emotional capacity that it's really just so compelling to watch him do his work and Bella too, you know, they're yeah. just and the two of them together. Yeah. There's just so, there's so much chemistry and tension. Yeah, but so as someone who hasn't played the game, I was still totally enamored with the way that it ended. Good, I'm glad. Moving on to just a few other fun questions. Do you have a favorite character and what do you like about them? Ellie has to be my favorite character. I just think that she's she's such a complex character, which is so, it, it can be re really refreshing to see at, in, as in a woman character. Um, and I think that in a very kind of, realistic way to watch a young woman go through these hardships, obviously in a very heightened sense, but I feel like a lot of women and women presenting people can really kind of, you know, attach themselves to and understand and sympathize with mm -hmm. as like messed up as it was as she was, we were watching her kill what what is his name when she was chopping him with David. the machete? David, yeah. yeah as like, awful <laughs> as that was, it's like emotionally I was right there with her yeah but also at the same time when she's in the mall you know having her first crush and being a kid and having fun and her pun book like the fact that this oh, character has so much emotional range and depth and I can connect to that on every level from when I was a kid to growing into adulthood just really compelled me as a watcher. And also I just think that Bella Ramsey is so talented, you know, nothing about mm -hmm. it felt forced. It didn't feel like she was, or they were watching or comparing themselves to Ashley's, you know, characterization. Cause I did see a couple of clips, but from past episodes, that was the only yeah. thing I allowed myself to watch. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wow, like, it captured the likeness of Ellie but mm -hmm. also it still feels like their interpretation of, of Ellie, but it still feels really true. So yeah, Ellie for sure is my favorite yeah. and I'm worried for her. I, is she, is she okay? <laughs> going to be okay. I worry. <laughs> Mine's a toss up. Mine is, is Joel and Ellie, but I, I, I guess like just them, you know, because it's not just Joel and it's not just Ellie, but like them together, that character in itself is like brilliant to me, you know, mm -hmm. 
Because even even the the moments where she's like, you know, I have an extra no. Uh, uh, can I grab no? You know, it's as a dad, it's lit. Like we go shopping, and it's just like, can I no? Can I do no? Put it down. Yeah, but I I have my own money. No, I don't care that you have your own money. No, you know. So like, I I, I got all of those moments, and then the, the lighthearted moments where she, you know, she was dinging the bell, like pretending to be like person in the in a hotel, and you know how like those two just like. Like she freaked out and he just jumped right to it, like to try to protect yeah. her, like instinctively, you know, but then he gave her that, that like dad look, you, you know what look I'm talking about yeah. this one, like the, the like, hell are you on. doing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, come on. And like just those two always in every scene that they were in when he like yeah. told her the pun things and you know, like you, you don't hear well out of your right ear, like they just worked well. The, the chemistry that they had together is just incredible because yeah. they sold it. They sold to you that they were Joel and Ellie, you know, like there was no question that these two characters are the same characters that I played like 12, mm. 15 times through, you know, mm-hmm. they, and so I can't say like just Bella and just, Pedro, because together they 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 were one character in itself. Totally know what you mean. I actually have in my notes. My answer for this is forever and always. It will be Ellie. <laughs> she is like you said, Olivia. She's so many things tied up in one, and it's yeah. all like non stereotypical things that we see with teenage girls as lead yes. characters. And mm-hmm. it's so refreshing. And I think when I first played this game, that's what really struck me was who Ellie was. And I saw myself in her in ways I've never really seen myself in other teenage girl characters. Like I saw teenage me in her and that was so yeah. refreshing. And I wish that I would have you know, picked up this game earlier and where that, you know, her character had been introduced earlier when I was a teenager and I just love that now a whole new generation is getting this type of female mm-hmm. character to look up to. But when it comes to analyzing a character, Joel is just like, he is a, like I, my undergrad degree is in English literature and he is like an English lit student's dream for analyzing. <laughs> and it's, there's so much to unpack about his character. He's so nuanced, so complex and that's always going to lead to like really great, complicated storytelling. And I just love that. But going off of that, we've talked a lot about Pedro and Bella. If you were to give an award to any actor from this season, who would win and specifically for which scene, if you have an idea? Oh my God. Okay. Sorry. I had to think about that because I obviously (laughs) wanted to give it to Pedro and, and, and Bella, but actually... That opening scene with Kathleen when she's interrogating that man in prison, Mm. you know, she's sitting on that chair and just like, she's like, where is he? Where is he? It's just, and that scene is where I realized that this wasn't just your typical apocalyptic game or story. This was going to, and I understand that this character wasn't in part one, but that it kind of sets up things for part two. Mm Mm-hmm. I just felt that the intensity in which she channels her hatred into finding this man that somehow ruined her life. And we don't know much at that point. Mm -hmm. I just remember that scene in particular. I was like, you're scary. You don't look scary. You look like a regular woman I would see at the grocery store. But you terrify me. And I am afraid of what you are willing to do in order to exact whatever revenge is about to happen. And to watch that character arc up into her very satisfying death (laughs) was really fun. But I just remember that first scene. I was like, oh, you scare me. Your potential truth. That's a good choice. I like that. That is a good choice. For me, I had three. Like it was it was so hard to to figure out which one. <laughs> Obviously Bella, because like you mm-hmm. said, um the range that she has 
is just incredible. You know, she went from, I'm going to kill David to I'm terrified of him. Like all in one scene, I'm terrified yeah. of him. I grab the machete and I freaking Danny Treha him and just da, 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 right? And like her <laughs> yeah. face, her face, right? And so like her one, Nick Offerman. Mm. Oh, I oh, mean, he, he – it was like Ron Swanson had a variant. <laughs> yeah. Like Ron, it was it was Ron Doomsday Prepper. Like he just didn't care, you know. He had his steak watching, you know, uh, infected just get messed up, and he loved it. And just to see like how amazing his acting was mm-hmm. from. And like the change of the character and how he just did so well with it was fantastic. But if I had to pick one one person to give it to, it would have to be Nico Parker. Mm, I was gonna say her. <laughs> in 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 what? In in mm. 40 minutes? Not mm-hmm. even in 40 minutes, she made you fall in love with her. She yeah. made you emotionally invested. Mm. Like and then when she, you know, when me and three other dudes were just bawling our eyes out, <laughs> at the, like she, she played it perfectly. She, there was nobody else that they could have picked for Sarah. They, they did an incredible job casting her and she just, she killed it. She absolutely killed it. I, like I, I was so invested in her in the first five minutes of seeing her on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, since no one said Pedro, because I think it's an understood, you know, an understood thing, I'll talk a little bit about about him. Um, you know, he faced a very tough role because this is a beloved game. Joel is a beloved character, and when he was cast, I remember my first thought was, "I can't believe I never thought of him to play Joel." Me neither. And I was so surprised when I found out other people's first thoughts were, what? No. (laughs) And I, I was just like, I don't, I don't understand because as soon as they announced him, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't think of that. But now I'm mad that I didn't think of it because yeah, it makes sense. And I, I know that he, you know, there was a lot of criticism about him getting cast instead of, you know, people that actors that other people had been considering for years, but he was, he's such a good actor. And I think people who haven't been following his career for a while now don't appreciate it as much Mm -hmm. as they should. The range that he is capable of, the range of characters he's capable of playing. And a lot of people were comparing um, Joel to his character, Javier Pena from Narcos. Oh yeah. But, and I do see the similarities, but the talent it takes to have two characters that are quite similar and make them completely different just by your acting alone. Because I wouldn't look at him playing Joel and think, Oh, that's Javier Pena. He's just using his Javier Pena, you know, tools to play this character. He's not, he really digs deep into the character to understand them and to defend them as well. Because I've heard, you know, in interviews with Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin that he would push back a lot on some of their instructions and just be like, you know, what about this? I think that he would do this. He ad-libbed one of the best lines in his mom and Joel's monologue in episode six, uh, which was the, the part about the dreams. And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I, mm. I don't remember. All I know is I wake up and, and I've, I failed. He he, that's from him. That was not in the script. Wow. And I think things like that just show such a good understanding of this character and yeah. such care that I don't think other actors would have brought. It's like that he is the meme of the, like, you know, this actor could play this role, but the actor who played that role couldn't play their role. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like Jack mm-hmm. Black could play this really heartfelt character, but uh, Chris Pratt couldn't play <laughs> this, his, one of his characters. I feel like Pedro Pascal is the epitome of that. And yeah. that to me is just really heavily implied in this role that he plays as Joel. So I really hope that he and Bella Ramsey get nominated for Emmys if they don't, there is something very wrong in the system. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just some wrap-up questions here. Final thoughts about season one. 
I loved it. <laughs> it was it was really fun going in, not knowing anything, just experiencing this story for what it is. And as someone who hasn't played the game, I felt like like I understood the experience of playing the game for the first time and why people really fall in love with this story and these characters. Um, I'm really sad there were only nine episodes. I wish there was more. <laughs> and I, I like who knows when season two will come out, but I wish like I'm almost tempted. I don't think I will, but I like there was there have been where I've been tempted to uh, go and, and play my brother's copy or at least go online and watch like the movie version mm. walkthrough or whatever. But yeah. also I have truly enjoyed the experience of just like going in blind and experiencing yeah. what the story is. Um, yeah, I think it's, and it's so satisfying to watch and hear from people who love this story and are happy with it. Cause there's nothing more satisfying than a good adaptation mm-hmm. of yeah. a story that you love. So that's been mm-hmm. a really cool experience too, watching people just like, they're just so happy about, about it. I think that's, I just think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, for me, like, I, I thought it was perfect. I mm. mean, it, it is now the standard for video game adaptations. Like, yeah. like you can't take a step back from this because everything's going to be like, is it as good as The Last of Us? Was it as good yeah. as The Last of Us? Should I even bother watching it if it wasn't? And and there were like little things that they did that I've like I've stated before that like they took something out to like put something else in. You know, Kathleen mm-hmm. wasn't in the or that was her name, right, Kathleen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, she wasn't in the game. And every, everything that happened in those scenes happens in the game, except it's mm. a tank coming to get you and all these walkers pop out of nowhere. And I thought to myself, how are they going to do this? How are yeah. they going to like like mimic this? And they did an incredible job. And mm-hmm. like the the bloater that came out when it came out and how it all worked, I was like, this is this is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. And like those are little tiny changes to the story, but in in like the broad umbrella of it all, everything was perfect. The little tiny things that they added made it like 10, 15, 20 times better than I could have possibly imagined. You know, Sam being yeah. deaf, um, the bloater not popping up when it was supposed to. You barely saw after episode mm-hmm. two, you didn't really see any other infected until that episode, you know? Mm-hmm. There were so many things that like they they added and I'm so happy that they did. Hmm. Yeah, it was everything I could have hoped for and more. Um, like I really don't know how else how else to word yeah. it because that's just that's just what it was. I'm still astounded that it is as good as it is and that it holds up on its own, but also that it makes me think about the game in a different way, and yeah. it it makes moments in the game more meaningful. And like, I don't like, I don't, I don't like to compare them, but I think because I played the game first and because I played it at a very Mm -hmm. important time in my life, the game will always have a special place in my heart, but Mm -hmm. I would never want the show to be any different than it is. Yeah. Like it's, it's perfect as it is. And Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for that. I'm just really glad that we got it. And I can't wait for season two, which hopefully will be maybe next fall slash winter i'm hoping they might start filming soon um but just quick thoughts about what your spoiler free expectations are for season two i don't know if i have any expectations i I definitely hope they continue to explore the relationship between ellie and joel because i think it's always been interesting but they definitely ended in a really interesting place um I'm also a huge fan of like politics revolution Mm -hmm. type of stuff is one reason why I love Star Wars so much so as complicated as the Fireflies are I hope we see more of them I hope we see more about the overthrowing of these pockets of corrupt governments that we're seeing around the country. Cause I think that was really interesting what we were seeing in Boston. Um, and I hope everyone lives and everyone lives happily <laughs> after. That is my hope for season two. <laughs> 
I mean, my hope for season two is the same thing. Well, not the same thing because I played the game. Um, <laughs> but like, I hope it's the same thing as this. I hope that they, they, you know, when they deviate when they need to and they stay true to the game when they do. I hope that, I mean, they couldn't have done a better job casting Bella and Pedro. I hope the casting that they do is for these new characters that we'll be introduced to will be just as good. And I, it's interesting, Daniel, that you said that there was so much discourse because <laughs> that's going to be back. <laughs> yep. I, I am, I will, I will just sit back and grab my popcorn and, yeah. and Watch. see how this all plays out. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes and, and how they are going to tackle all of the things that part two um, deals with. Hmm. Yeah. I um, I'm not looking forward to the discourse, but <laughs> I'm not either, but uh, we yeah. know it's coming. We know it's coming. We know it's coming. Um, I want to see them really lean into their creative freedom. I truly mm. feel like some of the best moments of season one were when they deviated from the source material a bit. Um, even if it was just tiny things, like you mentioned, Jeff, uh, even if it was tiny things within word for word adaptation, it was those little things, those change of expressions that Bella used or Pedro used um, to not deviate from the heart of the story, but to really make it their own. Because I, I want the show to to be its own thing, <clears throat> to coexist with the game, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I do want to see what they can make with a show that they couldn't make with the game. Yeah. Um, but I'm so excited for that. And I am so thankful for both of you agreeing to come on and talk with me about this. I've had a great time. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, before we sign off, I obviously thank you again for being on here, but do you want to let people know where to find you on social media? Yeah, I am on TikTok and Instagram and you can find me at both places at Olivia Lupe Marie. Uh, I'm literally on every social media as <laughs> old Taku Jedi, old, stressful on the old. Um, and uh, yeah. And I am written in the Star Wars on TikTok and Danny S394 on Twitter. This is going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. We want to thank everyone who turned in today and especially our guests for being with us today. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter by using the handle Temple of Geek. Do you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows? Why don't you head over to templeofgeek.com where you will find all sorts of content that pertain to the world of geek. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash templeofgeek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.